Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to The Shapes of Stories, a podcast with me, Lawrence Prestige, as your host. Stories come in all shapes and sizes, whether it be from our favourite books, our life experiences, or the day-to-day challenges and issues we face in the world today. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Shapes of Stories with me, Lawrence Prestige. And yeah, you know what, it's not every day you get the chance to talk to an Olympic gold medalist, but I was very fortunate to have that chance with chatting to Rebecca Adlington. So Becky and I... Um, had a wonderful chat um, she was open about lots and lots of things not just her um, Olympic journey um, but also her time in I'm a Celebrity which she competed in a few years ago and um, it was really interesting to get her take on that as the new series I'm a Celebrity is currently ongoing albeit this time in in Wales but you know um, we're living in a strange year this year but yeah, not only did we talk about her Olympic career, her, t- her time at I'm a Celebrity, but I, I, you know, I guess you know a negative issue that she's had to deal with as well in in terms of um, being trolled online and being victim to to online abuse, which was um, you know it was not nice to hear. But you know we have to thank Becky for for being able to share that because um, I think it's an important issue for for people to talk about. You know, and I've not had to deal with it too much. Um, thankfully, but you know, for the the higher the, I guess you know, the higher the profile the person is, the 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 higher the target, you know, the more the target they become. Yeah, and it was really interesting from Becky, from someone who at a young age, you know, her, you know, was um, dealing with the Olympics and suddenly being kind of thrown into the limelight of, um, or, or I guess, a celebrity kind of lifestyle when she, you know, when she came back um, from the Olympics in Beijing and the, and then into um, and then into London twenty twelve to kind of have to, to deal that to deal with that it must have been really difficult for her and um it was very nice for her to be able to at least share that um you know share that experiences and it's nice to know that she has come through that and is now on the other side of it where she's not um getting too many comments i think she's learned how to dealt with, to deal with it and she and she knows um i think she she's in a, a lot better place of it now and she doesn't let those people get to her as much as they did um but all being said, you know, it's all it's awful that we, we can't live in a world where people think they can they can say anything they want to on Twitter or YouTube or Instagram or whatever it is and feel that they don't need to be held accountable accountable for, you know. Um you, you know, you, it's okay if you if you don't like someone or you disagree with that person or you're not a fan of that person. But there there comes a line that the people are a lot more happier to cross on social media, a line that you would never cross in real life if you were to see that person or if you were to um, see that person or if you, I guess even if you were like in a a stadium or a concert, you'd never shout that kind of abuse at someone physically. But um, but on social media, it seems like people think like it's okay sometimes. But, you know, I like to think people that do that don't realise the effect they're having on a person because... I I think if they did realize the 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 damage I guess it it can do to someone and the upset it can bring. Becky talks about her person 
her personal experiences with it. And, you know, she cried. She, she cried when she had to deal with it at first and found it very strange and, and wondering what, what she was doing wrong. And so it's really refreshing to, to hear Becky sort of be able to, comfortable to talk about that and, um, and how it made her feel. But she's come through the other side of that. She's doing great at the minute, which is which is wonderful to hear. Um, she, you know, she's expecting her second child, I believe, early New Year. So congratulations to her and her partner. But yeah, looking forward to sharing this conversation with you, with, with Becky Adlington. Yes, be sure to check out Becky on Twitter. Uh, be sure to check us out on Twitter at The Shapes of Stories. And um, yeah, but without further ado, here is my chat with the wonderful Becky Adlington. Becky Allenton, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? I'm good. Uh, I've, I've got to stop asking this because before I forget, with your gold medals, do you, how often do you wear them? Because like, if it were me, I would be, I'd, be wear, I'd be walking the dog with my gold medals. And I'd be, I was thinking that today. I was walking my dog and I was just like, if I had, my, if I had the gold medals, I would just like be walking my dog right now with my gold medal on. <laughs> do you, uh, have you done anything outrageous with the gold medals? Like where it be in bed, sleeping with them, in the shower, anything like that? No, no they're very heavy. So you'll be surprised <laughs> that after wearing them, you're a bit like, okay. But um, no, hardly ever wear them. I hardly ever get them out. I think the thing is, everyone thinks that you have them out on display in your house, but you don't because obviously if you ever got broken into, they would be the first thing to go. So like from a safety element, most people keep them in safes, banks, like really, really secure places. Um, so I think it's always one of those that people think that you're just going to have them on you all the time. And I know Olympians that do. I definitely know people that <laughs> no matter what event they are going to, they will have their medals. Whereas I am so paranoid about losing mine, like really paranoid because I'm like, I can't get another replacement. Like right, yeah. you'll get just a replica but I'm so like, I'm like, oh my gosh, they're my babies. I can't lose yeah. them. So hardly ever wear them. I got them out for the, I've only got them out once this whole year. And that was um, to do some photos for an interview I did. And that was it. Otherwise, like they totally stay away, which is really sad, actually. Yeah. Well, at least you've got them in a nice, safe location. So you don't have to, I guess you would be, if it was me, I would probably lose them. So it's good that you've got, yeah. Oh, with yeah, kids and whatever, place. my daughter just swings them around and thinks they're a toy and drops them. And I'm like, ah, so no, they're safely away. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, yeah, so thanks so much for coming on to chat. Um, how's this year been for you, the whole COVID lockdown situation? How are you been finding it? I think anyone would lie if they say it's not been a strange old year. Like, <laughs> I think it's one of those to be fair I've carried on working the whole time my partner has as well um so in that sense we're both kind of like we haven't stopped working it's not kind of like we've lost our mind but obviously the first lockdown my daughter was off school obviously schools are still open um and stuff so it's a little bit different because she's obviously back at school but again like homeschooling she was she's five I'm like homeschooling's play and like just fun stuff and doing bits of reading I speak speaking to parents doing like algebra and all this sort of stuff I think I would have lost my mind I was like oh my god so no very very different for us but it's been really nice to have that time like I've missed my family like really have and obviously like I think this year, everyone is so focused on health. Like, my sister's really high risk. Um, and now being pregnant and stuff like that is kind of like, oh, my gosh, you are worried about kind of 
um, passing it on to other people. I certainly know I am. So th I think there's been more worry this year, definitely um, more concern, more anxiety. But at, at the most part of it, like I feel really terrible to say I've actually quite enjoyed being at home more and just kind of like we're having a house extension as well. So like just being a, a bit of a home bird. I'm so busy normally traveling here and there. It's been so nice not to be sat in traffic for once and just yeah. like just be and just be with like my family and stuff like that. So that's been really, really nice. But I have missed other kind of extended family and obviously friends and stuff. So yeah. looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah. And so is your daughter happy to go back to school after having that sort of uh, period off, a long period off when she wasn't sort of seeing her friends and sort of with, uh, you know, it must be hard because like, I guess, especially for a five-year-old, sort of having that um, sense of communicating with other children taken away for such a long time. 100%. And I think that she was just craving other kids. Like it was a long time to be in just adult company. And like, obviously we play with her and stuff, but I can't play in, in the same way as a five-year-old. I don't have that imagination. <laughs> yeah. That's long gone. So playing with a Barbie, I'm like, hi, like, what do I do with this? Like, it's not, it's not the same. So um, for her, it, she was so desperate to get back to school and just see her friends and just a bit more normality for her. Because um, even school, mm -hmm. primary school's the best. Like, I'm sorry, primary school is like peak of your life, isn't it? Because it is so much fun, primary school. Um, mm -hmm. So she's just been so happy to be kind of back with other kids. And I think it's been really good for her as well because I've, I've been very conscious, like the fact that, I feel like she's grown up so much in that period of being at home. And I'm like, I don't want to take her childhood away from her and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, she's definitely glad to be back. That's great, yeah. And what's, what's it been like for you in terms of, you know, I imagine you're still active in terms of gym going and the, the pool and, you know, sort of keeping keeping up that all going. So has, has it been hard when the gyms and the pools have been have been shut? And I guess now they're, they're kind of shut again, which which is really unfortunate because I think especially going through lockdown, it's so uh, it must have it has such a not only your physical health it has such a, um, an impact on your mental health as well and to kind of have that taken away must have been tough yeah I definitely agree I don't think it is just physical health I think um, definitely with a, a most people doing exercise it is some, some form of mental health whether that's to escape something to let some anger out to just kind of feel better about yourself I think it is has a, I think it has a stronger sense of mental health than physical health because um, mm -hmm. you can go for a walk and kind of do other stuff. But yeah, it was really hard the first lockdown. Like it was the longest period my, even my daughter had been out of the pool for. My daughter's been in the pool since three weeks old and she kept asking me, mummy, can we go swimming? Mummy, can we go swimming? And I was like, no, I'm really sorry. And like, it was so hard because it's the longest period of my whole entire life that I've been out the pool as well. Um, and definitely kind of just missed that. For me, swimming is my escape. For me, swimming is that now I don't I don't swim fast now, but for me, it's the only time I'll put my phone away. It's in a locker and I just get 30 minutes to myself. It's almost like my meditation that I just like clears my head. So I really, really miss that um, during yeah. the first lockdown. And then they open back up and I was able to go again. And it's just been like the gym that I go to as well. Like it's just they've put so much hard work into making it safe. And it is our little community. It's like I say it, it's my hour of sanity. It's my hour of just being with lovely people, just getting 
things out that I need to and just kind of releasing all of that in the gym and then you can't kind of sets your day up really um so I feel like this past week of just being without it I'm like lost already I'm like I need it but you can't this lockdown's different because before I was like fine I'll go out for a run whereas now I'm 24 weeks pregnant I can't go out for a run I'm just like no that's off the cards and the weather's horrible and it's just like it's so different this time so I'm like, fingers crossed it doesn't last forever and the gyms will open back up soon. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So even after the Olympics, was it after sort of spending, given your your whole um, young adult life to, to the swim pool and, and training, after you kind of were in a place where you you, st- you, st- um, you st- stood away from the Olympics and uh, stopped swimming um, competitively, um, did you want to get back in was it kind of do you want to have like a break from the swimming for a bit like or do, do is it just such a huge part of your life where you're like I want to just keep going into that pool no matter what or did you need to have a little break from it <laughs> no I needed to have a little break from it so I yeah. kind of like I didn't jump straight back in and I was so busy I moved up to, from Man, uh, Nottingham to Manchester so I moved cities during that period as well and just my life completely changed Um, during those couple of months I was setting up my own learn to swim business so it's just kind of like a crazy whirlwind it was the first time in my life I totally understood when people were like I don't have time to go to the gym or exercise because I just (laughs) didn't have time it wasn't a factor during that period of my life and then once I kind of settled I'd moved house my kind of business was kind of growing and getting kind of getting off the ground I was like right okay I can fit in the gym again now and I can fit in going for a swim and I kind of slotted that back into my life. And it's weird because I speak to so many other Olympians and they just don't do their sport at all. They're like, I I love other sports and they do loads of other things, but they're like, I don't do that sport that I did. Whereas I'm like, I absolutely love it now. But I think that's because I don't try to do it in a uh, a competition environment. I'm not trying to be a master swimmer or like go fast. Like for me, swimming is just, I've reverted back to what swimming was when I was a kid. And that fun element and that side of swimming that I just love. And that bit kind of being at peace. For me, swimming isn't like a workout. Swimming's more like my switch off and just like my nice little relax. I don't kind of go hell for leather. It's just kind of a really nice um, environment. It feels safe, if that makes sense. It feels like it's home, like, oh, I'm at home, just sat on my sofa. Like, that's what swimming is to me. It's just that safe environment. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so when you are competing at the Olympics and you're, you're lining up just about to, to start your um, event, are you do you are you just kind of in game mode? Are you aware that the whole world is watching me, or is it? Or do you just not allow yourself to think that in in your in your head? You don't even entertain it, and I know that yeah. sounds really bizarre because everyone's like, "How could you not?" and everything mm-hmm. else. Like some athletes, to be fair, look up to the crowd and really um, use the crowd. I don't even look up. I'm like, I don't even like to look at the crowd because. Not only if you, if I look up to the crowd and see 17,000 people, that will probably terrify me. But then you start thinking how many people are watching on telly and et cetera, et cetera. But for me, I don't even look up because I'm like, I've got to just stay focused. I only look at the pool. I just look at my lane, what I've got to do, because it doesn't matter who's watching. Like Mm. I've got to perform. I've got a job to do. You're so focused on that and you're so... Um, in the zone if you like that you just I don't even listen to music most athletes you see them with the headphones on yeah, listen to yeah, music absolutely I don't even do that because I'm like <laughs> I, I switch off too easy I'm one of those that I'll start singing and dancing and forget where I am <laughs> like I have to stay really really focused 
um, and kind of that really narrow, t- like tunnel vision almost, and just kind of really stay in that mentality. Um, but obviously after your race, of course you can look up, of course, like <laughs> yeah. that's, the, that's the time that it's like, oh my gosh, and like you look at the crowd and when you're, obviously because the Olympics is over two weeks, you get an opportunity to just be a fan and you just sit there in the stands and cheer along with people and sing national anthems and do all that. You get to be a fan um, at other points, just not when you're competing. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any superstitions at all when when you were competing that you sort of really wanted to stick by all the time? I haven't got like specific things in that way, but I'm really funny with numbers. Like numbers are my thing. So it's quite broad, but it's things like if I was listening to something, the volume has to be on an even number. Like I I like even numbers. So I was was more weird about that sort of stuff. Like um, how many times I did something or the volume or TV volume had to be on a certain like an even number or things like that rather than um I wouldn't ever wake up on an odd no- I wouldn't set my alarm on an odd number for example it was things like okay. that that I was a bit weird about um rather than like I'm not like Nadal who has to bounce the ball so many times <laughs> and all that sort of stuff there's nothing really you can do in swimming that's like replicates that because obviously we don't have any equipment or anything or whatever that you use so it's just yeah p- preparation I guess as well like the amount of times your goggles and hat or costume or something can happen. So always having spares and just things like that. Normal stuff, I think. Yeah, no, that's, that, that's fair enough. Though. Those ones are... I, 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 can, I get the number thing. There's some numbers I try and avoid as well, like uh, when I'm doing little, little things like that. Like, you know, you'd be surprised, I think, how many people do that. Um, so was, was there a point, like, after you, you did... The, you know, obviously, you've been training your whole young adult life for the Olympics. Um, was there a point after that where you kind of entered being so well known and becoming a celebrity where it just was a bit like you had that moment where you had that realization that lots of people are interested in me and what I'm doing it was I've had kind of like weird moments throughout my life where you just kind of like this is bizarre um one Mm. of the very first moments was when we actually landed back from Beijing and we all got a, a, a airplane back together the whole team were on the same airplane And it was one of those that when we landed, we had no clue in Beijing what was going on. And then we landed, um, mainly because we couldn't get British telly, British newspapers. It wasn't like on BBC. Everything was in Chinese over there. So we didn't kind of know. And then we landed and we're at the airport. And I remember we all looked out the window and the whole of like the runway was full of people. It was just packed. And we were like, my gosh, what's gone on? Like we'd never seen an airport like it. Like obviously you used to just walking off the plane and then you kind of once you threw arrivals there's people but I'm talking about as you stepped off the plane there was people like there was cameras and everything else like it was on the actual runway before we had even made it to the actual airport and it was just full of people and cameras and everything and we were like oh my gosh what is going on and that was like a real like we were in such a bubble. It was a real, oh my gosh, what has, what has happened here? Like, they're all, these people are all here to see us. Like, that was amazing. And doing things like the parades, like through London, the open top bus things that they put mm-hmm. on, they're always amazing. And then for me, I think one of my highlights and one of the moments where I'm like, my gosh, is when I got asked, do I'm a celeb? Because I'm <laughs> such a fan of I'm a celeb. Love the show. I never yeah. thought I'd be asked. And then when I got asked to do it, I was like, my gosh that means I'm a little bit of a celebrity like I've never ever considered I will I still to this day would never consider myself a celebrity of any stature because I'm just I've have a bit of profile for doing something I'm not a celeb Mm -hmm. I don't live a celeb life I don't go to parties I'm not on tv all the time and blah 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 so 
being asked to do I'm a Celeb, I was like, why do you want me? I'm just like this little girl from Mansfield. But it was just like the most incredible experience of my whole entire life. And they were, that was one of those pinch me moments because I'm like, my gosh, this is actually happening and I'm getting this opportunity to do something this incredible. Um, that things like that have just been amazing because I just watch them as fans of the show. Do you know what I mean? I just sit there as an all, any other person on a Saturday night watching the, watching the yeah. telly. So to, to have the opportunity has just been like... Wow, pinch me moments. Yeah. I always, it's been interesting to ask you this actually, because I always wonder what the reality of it is being in the jungle. Because, like, obviously, when we're watching at home, we see a condensed hour, hour and a half of you guys, the, the highlights of the day in the jungle. But is there a lot of sort of like time to kill whilst you're in the jungle as well? Is there lots of sort of sitting around? A lot. Most yeah. people think the biggest challenge of I'm a Celeb is the food. It's not, mm-hmm. it's boredom. You cannot do right. I'm a Celeb if you're even slightly remotely a bored person um, because they get you up at 5 a.m. They don't allow you to go to sleep normally till past, past midnight. So you're on minimal sleep um, and they want you up more hours of the day to get more content, obviously. So they're long, long days. This isn't like you lay in till like 9, 10 o'clock and then you go to bed. It's like they're long days anyway. Um, and there's nothing to do. Camp is tiny. Camp is the size, the whole camp is the size of a living room. It's tiny. People, you don't know how tiny it is until you get there and you're like, is this it? Like you think it looks so much bigger on telly, but yeah. And obviously the show has to be, if you think about how many hours are in a day, it's only then an hour on telly, take out adverts, take out the trial. You've probably only got 20 minutes, 25 minutes of actual viewing of the whole yeah. day. So there was so much missed out and so many conversations that even they chopped and changed conversations and made them a lot shorter. They did it with arguments. They did it with all that sort of stuff. And I'm like, it was so different. So I've never fully watched my series back because I want my memories because I'm like so many people from my year told me, have you watched it? Have you watched it? Like it's so different. And it's kind of like how people come across is so weird. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to taint mine because I loved my experience. So I'm like, I'll keep mine to mine. (laughs) Yeah. And who was it that won your series? Who was the... Um Kean Egan from Westside. Yes, that was a worthy winner. Was he a worthy winner in your opinion? Very, very much so. Good. To be fair. Yeah. The whole final three were absolutely brilliant. But um yeah, Kean was a real like he got stuck in. Like I can remember one night and um, when you get that, do you know the bag that comes down your tea of food? Yes, yeah. People yeah. think there's like nice stuff in that. There really isn't. Like <laughs> I remember one night a whole possum, so like a giant rat just came down in this bag and it was whole. It was like the actual like possum. The only thing they did was take the fur off, but it was still on the bone. It was still everything. And I was just like, I was always the one helping out with food. And I was like, I don't even know where to start with that. And Kian just <laughs> sat down, got stuck in, took all the meat off and did the whole... I was like... Right. Didn't phase him at all. Anything that got given, he was like, yep, I'm on it. And like, he's such a like caveman sort of guy. I was like, yes, <laughs> Kian. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. And I guess some people wondered, like, is there, there's no one sort of like any producers or runners there just slipping you like a Mars bar or something during the day to keep you going? Nothing like that happens, no? <laughs> they don't even talk to you. Like they, they <laughs> instruct you. So they talk to you as in like, you've got to go there or you've got to do this. But you're not having chat. Like they literally don't give anything away. They're not... They don't even tell you the time. Like, they don't... Excuse me. They don't tell you anything. Like, they're they're under real strict um, instructions. Like, there's none of that at all. I wish there was. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, one thing you've you've spoken out about is um, the online abuse and I guess trolls and and things that you've had to deal with. Was there a point where you were just like, this is aware of what's happening? Was it after the Olympics? Was it during I'm a Celebrity? What sort of point was it in your career where you were getting, you noticing that it was getting a bit negative? from comments that you were getting? To be fair, that was pretty much straight away after okay. Beijing. It wasn't even doing things like I'm a celeb. I mean, it was heightened then, um, but definitely started. I think the first, um, while we were in Beijing and the first kind of couple of months, it was very much like, oh, well done. And it was a lot of those. And then all of a sudden, it quickly changed to um, talking about the way I look, or um, just kind of real negative things. Um, And I was totally blindsided about about it at first. A, social media was quite relatively new at that stage. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm talking 12 years ago. Like, (laughs) this was a long time ago. So it was kind of like, it wasn't the same, you don't just block and report as you do now. Mm -hmm. It was kind of a a much different scenario 12 years ago. Um, I took it really personal. I didn't understand it. I still don't understand to this day why you would send someone a nasty message that you know nothing about or like never met or anything. I just don't Mm -hmm. understand online trolls anyway. But I also didn't understand um, from an athlete, I kind of thought, what is the way I look got to do with anything about my ability to swim? I wasn't trying to be a model. I wasn't trying to be anything in that capacity and also like makes no difference to my sport at all the way you look so I found it really baffling because I was like what if why do I need to be pretty to be an Olympic swimmer um so I found it really difficult it massively um changed my perception on social media and so many people kept saying to me why didn't you come off that's always a question I get is why didn't you leave social media but I was just kind of like why should I? Like, why should I be bullied out of it? And also, I loved the messages that I used to get from, like, a 13-year-old going, I've got a competition this weekend. We wish me good luck? And then I'd wish them good luck, and then they would report back to me going, I got two personal best times. Like, thank you. And you're like, well done. And, like, sharing that. And there is so many good voices on social media as well that I'm like, why should we let the bad ones and negative ones win over good? Yeah. Um. So kind of just stuck at it. But I'm a celebrity things like that definitely heightened it because it was a bigger platform um obviously if you only followed me would you know about that sort of stuff which not many people do so it's it's one of those that when you speak about it on a more public and open um platform it then definitely um got a lot worse and and kind of really heightened things um for sure but it's massively died down now I I have to say it's totally totally different now that's great because I mean it's I mean I don't have it on a a scale as you do I can imagine but it's you know even when you get it's nice that you can focus on the nice comments that you get because you know it just you we always focus sometimes on the on the you can get 12 nice comments from someone and and you'll get the one moron that's like said something really horrible and you and you can't shake that one person it doesn't matter about the 12 other people that have said nice things it's that one person and i think it's it's just why it's like you said why you just can't fathom what you've done to deserve a comment like that and i guess for you when you were getting that at a young age as well like do do you almost have like self doubt like what am i doing to deserve these comments do you kind of wonder what you're doing wrong at first i really thought i really took them personal um i was kind yeah. of like oh my gosh what what have i done to this person and i used to really really overthink it 
um, how does somebody hate me this much? I've never even, I don't even know who you are. Like, I, I've never even, you haven't entered my realm. So how have I entered yours to in such a big impact uh, for way for you to send such horrible messages? And at first it was really like that, but I was 19. I was kind of didn't understand it. Whereas um, I then kind of did, um, I was a bit more outspoken about it. I did a couple of TV shows where they kind of del um, dived into the trolls and the kind of had a look at the trolls. Um, and it was funny that I hadn't really explored from a troll's perspective before. I'd only ever thought from me as why are you sending me that and I just block you sort of thing. Whereas actually looking at a few people's profiles, they do it to hundreds of people. Mm -hmm. Like these people were messaging a hundred people a day all the same sort of nasty comments. Like nothing was like original. Nothing was... Purse. It was all to everything. It was to a number of different people as well. It wasn't even just like it was sports. It was like people of all different walks of life. And I kind of got to the point where that really dehumanized it for me. It kind of took mm -hmm. that personal approach away because I was like, okay, you're doing this to so many people. Um, if somebody wants to criticize, if I'm on telly and I say something and it's wrong or whatever, I'm open to that criticism. I was always right. open to criticism as an athlete because our life is built on criticism. That's how we do. We analyze a performance when it's not right, we put it right. So I'm used to that criticism and I can take it on board when it is something that is constructive, but when it is just personal um, and unnecessary and um, just not needed, um, that's when it was kind of like really unnecessary. But I really take the approach now, like I can honestly block it out like it doesn't affect me anymore I'm almost like desensitized to it I'm like it doesn't and I know that sounds really bad because I know people in my life like my boyfriend and stuff he's like gosh how do you deal with that and I'm like it honestly doesn't bother me I think it's just I'm so used to them um and I I just feel sorry for trolls now that it's totally yeah. changed my perspective I don't sit there and cry anymore like I used to I don't even give it a second thought I like, I see it, I block it, I report them and I move on. I'm literally like, I'm not going to mm -hmm. waste my emotional energy um, on somebody that I just don't value your opinion. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I think like you say, it's um, what you said was interesting from the trolls perspective. Because to me, the people that do that kind of thing is, is two re one of two reasons. One, they either got some sort of mental health issue, which is, you know, serious and everything like that. Or two, they're just they're just quite sad people and um it's you know they probably have their day after day dealing with their shit job and you know they're not content with their life and uh um going through failure after failure after failure and they see someone successful like you and they're like well one thing i do have is a phone and i can, and i can let my anger out on this phone by just going ah, da, 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 you know ranting ranting away probably not even thinking about too much what they're saying um so yeah you know it's interesting it's i guess it's their way to kind of vent and as horrible as it is it's um yeah I think it just reflects more on them. I mean you ne you never I, I I don't think you'll ever see a successful or a happy troll. I don't think you're going to meet someone that's been like it's ever like you know what yeah I, I'm you know life's great and you know I'm really happy and I'm you know successful in my job. But you know what I really like doing is going on Twitter and giving Rebecca Abington shit. <laughs> I don't think you're ever going to meet anyone that's like that. No. And I genuinely feel like a lot of these people as well are really lonely. I feel like yeah. they haven't got somebody... Like, if we've had a bad day or if something's really annoyed us, like, 
I talk to my friends, I talk to my family, I vent to my boy. Like, I'm literally like, I come home and I'm like, oh, that's really annoyed me, or this has happened today, or this is really whatever. Whereas I think a lot of these trolls don't have somebody to talk to, and I actually feel like a lot of people are just yeah. really lonely. So they go, well, I can access these people, and I'll, even though it's not done in a nice way, I'll talk to you and I'll vent to you and do it in that sense rather than having somebody at home to let their anger out on and say what's bothering them and, and communicate to. And obviously not everyone's going to be like that. I think some people are jealous. I think some people just are bored. I think it's like a number of different things, but it's one of those that I don't think I'll ever understand it. And I don't even try to anymore because I'm like, I just don't get it and I never will. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. Like, even, like I, I can't imagine what it was like for you, someone that's such, such a high, high profile at the time with the Olympics and I'm a celebrity. But even with me, I've had a message off Instagram just saying, oh, your books are shit and, you know, roll dial wannabe. And then you go on the Instagram and it's, they're following no one, they've got no followers and no picture. And you're like, has someone just made that Instagram just to message me that? <laughs> and, you know, at the end of the day, you, you, you've just kind of got to go, you poor bastard, like, whatever. Like, you've kind of just got to think, whatever. <laughs> I guess that's the only way you can deal with it. Just shake it, shake it off in uh, immortal words of Taylor Swift. I definitely agree. And I think value, value in that opinion of people around me. Like if my mate came to me, like my best mate, and was like, oh, Beck, I don't think you should wear that. Or oh, I don't think that. Or oh, I'm not sure. I'd totally take it on board. I'm like, yeah, 100%. Thanks for letting me know. Whereas when it's a random, I'm like, you don't know me. You don't know anything. Mm. I'm like, kind of like, I've really learned to value the, the people that I care about's opinion more. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I, I think sometimes as well, like, we get comedians and, and people that are probably a bit more in your face with, with you know, sometimes you get comedians that their, their, their performance is insulting people. And I think people, yeah, and, and, and public see that sometimes and think that means that I can be that way as well. So, you know, even with Donald Trump, Donald Trump was the president of the United States and he was calling people names. And when you see someone so high profile like that, that can resort to people like calling people fat slobs or their mess or whatever, or um, whatever it is, um, people, their supporters, whether it be Donald Trump, the president of the United States or a comedian that they like, feel like, oh, I like, you know, I look up to these people and I feel like I can behave that way as well. And so I think, I think that's... Uh, Sometimes we, we could see a lot of that as well. No, and I, I totally agree with you. I think the thing is, we're in an age now where, like, you are accessible. Like, you are. That's what social media gives you. If you are on social media, people can access or you can interact with people at whatever point in the day. Like, whether it's in bed, whether it's first thing in the morning. Like, I try not to go on social media the very first thing when I wake up because I'm like... Is that good for my mental health? Yeah, you don't want some, you don't want a, a shitty comment to ruin your day, right? No, That's you should start the yeah. day in a nice way with a cup of tea or coffee or something. Not <laughs> yeah. not a horrible comment. So I'm like, I think that that's really important um, to kind of monitor social media in that way. And I think it can be such a powerful tool. Like I've had the conversation because my daughter's five. She has no idea what Instagram is. Do you know what I mean? But at the same time, at some point in the next 10 years, she will have her own phone and will do all these things. And I, I just want to kind of... Uh, social media can be such a powerful and educational thing, but you've just got to know what you want from it. And I'm a bit like that with Instagram. Like my rule on Instagram is I won't edit my photos. Yes, I don't look as pretty That's and as good. thin and as smooth as other people, but I'm like... 
I just don't want to portray that image. That for me is a hard line for other people. Like they have their, they turn their comments off or they have their direction of Instagram. Whereas for me, I'm not about a showy celebrity thing. Like a lot of, I don't have many followers on Instagram compared to a lot of other people that are from sport, but I'm like, I don't care. I just want to be normal in my family life. That's what Instagram is for me. It isn't my brand. I'm not trying to sell anything. Mm. I'm not trying to do anything like that. I just want to be as authentic as possible because I don't want somebody to meet me in real life and go, oh gosh, you're different either. And because I've like edited my photos so much that you're like a totally different person when you meet me. And I'd rather, I've had so many people say to me, which is a total backhanded compliment, go, you look much bigger on the telly. And I'm like, thanks. <laughs> like that's always a weird one to digest because you're like, think you've just given me a compliment but also I'm slightly <laughs> worried how I come across on telly but thanks but it's it's always like nice when people are, are pleasantly surprised when you meet um each other rather than kind of just seeing an online and just making a judgment on somebody yeah and I, I think we need more role models like that because I think especially for the Instagram sort of life that we see especially for, with young with young girls they kind of feel like they have to look a certain way to be valued and it's just, you know what, just be yourself. You know, I think that's, so I think it's really refreshing that you're not one of these people that will do the filters or, you know, hashtag whatever it is and all this, just to, just to kind of feel like the more likes I get, the more relevant I become. And it does, I don't know if it worries you with sort of young girls, teenagers that we see that feel like they have to do that. Yeah, I think that's, it's kind of like that is really, and I think it's just younger people in general that are just, how many likes have you got and how many this? I'm like, I don't even look. Like I do, yeah. I do read all the comments, but that's because I try where possible to reply to people. I really, okay. really love interacting with people um, because I think A, this year more than ever, we need to interact with people more because there is, normally I'm going to events and I'll make an effort to see everyone and going into schools and doing all that. I can't do that this year because of obviously the situation. So I do, I've always had the mindset, if somebody has taken the time to send me a message on Twitter, something really nice as well, I should take the time to say thank you because that means an awful lot to me. Um, so I make the time to reply to people's comments, replies to me on Twitter, like I will make that time. So I do go into that sort of stuff, but otherwise I'm not really bothered on the rest. I'm literally like, who cares? At the end of the day, I'm not posting it to get likes. I'm posting it because it's my life and I just like the photo and I just kind of want to share what's going on and kind of make people feel a little bit less lonely if I can at any point because this year is just that and we've got to be aware yeah. of that well that's good that you you still want to communicate and read the comments because I'm not sure if I'd gone through the the sort of comments that you've had to deal with I don't think I think I would just be like you know what I'm not gonna bother reading them I'm sure some people have probably told you that as well just don't read the comments or why are you reading the comments or... oh gosh I never read the comments on a newspaper article that is okay. like that is like never scroll down to the bottom of any sort of daily mail so any of that I'm like I don't yeah, read you the... see the darkest trolls oh that, gosh right? yeah <laughs> like don't get me wrong I don't read the papers anyway because I know 99% of what's written about me is a load of tosh so if it's a tosh about me it's tosh about other people as well so I just don't believe the newspapers at all it's not a reliable source of information I find but definitely don't scroll down that is like oh that is dirty it's gross at the bottom you don't want to go to the bottom of newspaper articles it's a it's a dark place that <laughs> yeah and I suppose on a more positive note coming out of all of the <laughs> abuse that you've had to deal with um 
your life's probably very different now, right? I mean, you're pregnant again. Congratulations. Um, a, a, being a mum. Um, yes. Yeah, so what's I mean, what's it like going from being an Olympian to a mum? Both very different challenges, I suppose. <laughs> very different, but it definitely puts a lot in perspective. I mean, anyone with kids like they just kids are just the most incredible little things like they're so resilient adaptable flexible they're funny there's no filter with kids at all and that's what I love about it it's just really raw and honest um but it definitely challenges me in a different way I've let so much of the pettiness grow I think I never really realized how much I was going to change as a person um everyone thought because I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a natural maternal person. I've not been one of those kid people that's like, oh, kids. I've been like, oh, dogs. Like, <laughs> Yeah, no, I completely relate to that. I'm like, oh, a puppy. <laughs> rather than a baby. And I'm like, I'm not naturally as maternal as like my siblings are and things like that. And compared to some other girls. And I, everyone always used to be like, oh, I think Beck's going to be like a bad cop when it comes to parenting. Like she'll lay down the law and... It completely changed me when I became a, a mum. I'm like the softest person ever. Every time there's a little baby now or a puppy, still a puppy, but even more so, baby, I'm like, oh, baby. And like, I'm just so different. And um, it's really puts a lot in perspective, takes that pettiness away sort of stuff. Like now with a troll or even anything like that, I'm just like, oh, who cares? I've got to make tea and I've got to do this and my daughter needs to go here. And you just don't have time to entertain that sort of stuff as well. And it's just like, it is really lovely. I, I absolutely love being a mum. And um, so, yeah, I'll be glad when this one is here. <laughs> yes. When When's the due date? Not till February. Um, Not till February, okay. Yeah, so still got a couple of months to go, but I'm literally like... I feel like very large at the minute. <laughs> so I'll be happy when the little one's here and Summer will love having a baby brother as well. Absolutely love it. That's amazing. Because with your ex as well, you're very you're still on very good terms, aren't you? Like you're co-parenting really well, which is really refreshing to hear because, you know, so I, mean, I used to be in um, at work at a secondary school and sometimes when you met parents that weren't together anymore and were there for the child, it got, you know, a bit not nice. So it's really nice that you and your ex are still be able to be really... Um, really good co-parenting together yeah and it's really hard because I hear so many people that like are going through it and um or they know somebody it is and it, it, it unfortunately a lot of the time kids don't come first because it's very hard to let go of your own feelings and your mm. own uh, what you're wrapped up in whereas actually both me and Harry, we just, summer comes first. Like, that's what it is. Like, she is our priority. And to be fair, we are so aligned as well. I think that really, really helps. He's a fantastic dad. Um, and we really, the thing is as well, we realise we need each other as well. Not only obviously to raise her, but also like you have to be flexible with one another. We're both self-employed. We're both kind of trying to just earn a living as well. That sometimes if he goes... Beck, can you pick Summer up and can you do this? And I need that as well. Like, you've got to work together. You're a team and, like, you've got to be in this for a family for Summer as well. So we really, really remember that. Um, and I think that's really important because I, I just want her to know she's so loved. Um, and she's, she's just the happiest little kid as well. She certainly knows that. Great. Are you going to be getting her into... Well, you say she likes swimming. Is she going to be, you know, carrying on your legacy? A few gold medals to put in a safe place? I'm not sure about that one. Um, she's definitely <laughs> a lot more arty, whatever, but she loves being in the water. That's a, a kind of always been my thing. It's like, look, 
As long as you can swim in that big pool with no armbands, no nothing, you can swim a full length and you can save your life, you're in lessons. Like, and she absolutely loves it, so I don't need to entice her at all. But from a water, like from a safety element, I want her to obviously know how to swim. And yeah, she absolutely loves it. And she's only five, so who who knows? But um, yeah, she's she loves being in the water. Yeah. Um, so what advice would you give to anyone that's a young athlete out there that you know wants to train and looks at people like yourself as inspiration? What sort of what's the sort of advice that you've that you've picked up over the years that you would pass down to to the younger people in the country? Um, definitely you, making sure that you have a good relationship with your coach, your teacher, whoever's kind of leading that team um, in that sense is I think that's a really good relationship um, and to use their kind of knowledge and experience, always work hard as well um, and always think what more could you be doing? I think always ask that question, how can I go above and beyond? Because there's thousands of people all doing the same thing, aren't they? So what sets you apart? And I always used to be the first in the water, the last out the water, always always making sure at home I, I stretch for 10 minutes before bed or am I eating the right thing or at a weekend, am I doing everything possible to rest and recover? And it's hard thinking that all the time. It really, really is. But even just focusing on, on one little thing and... Um, other than that, just always believe in yourself because there will always be somebody trying to just pull you down a peg or two and never, mm-hmm. ever stop believing in yourself because I think um, I wouldn't have got as far as I did because I am just a girl from Mansfield. So I always believed in myself. I never let somebody tell me I couldn't do something. Maybe more determined to succeed. So that belief is massively important. Yeah, don't listen to those trolls. Don't listen to those trolls. Oh, Becky, it's been absolutely amazing talking to you today. Thanks so much for coming on and good luck with the preg- with the pregnancy and your due date in February. And uh, hopefully we'll be, you, you know, you'll be um, delivering your child to a non-COVID, well, I don't know about a non-COVID world, but a non-lockdown world, I hope, so your family can you know, enjoy the birth. Let's hope so. Let's hope we're out of yeah. lockdown by then. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank Cheers. you. So there we have it, a wonderful chat there with Rebecca Adlington. I keep calling her Rebecca, I'm not too sure why, Becky Adlington. Um, oh yeah, I want to thank Becky again for um, her openness with that. And um, yeah, and I think it's really important um, for people to hear whether they are um, a victim of online abuse and, you know, hearing from Becky about how she's dealt with it and hopefully brings them um, some kind of peace to know they're not alone in deal with, dealing with these um, this kind of thing and these people online. Uh, but also if anyone's on there that is trolling, perhaps perhaps you don't realise the effect it's having on people and you and you feel like it's just banter and and things like that. Um but you know, you know, I really think if you are one of those people to uh, to really think about what you might be putting on social media and the effect it might have on someone and is it necessary to do really. I know we all have our bad days, but um you know, it's not appropriate to potentially really upset someone else uh, when you've had a shit day. So just something to think about, I think. I mean, it all probably sounds sometimes a bit cheesy and a bit hokey, but, you know, I really feel as a species we need to collectively emphasise and learn how to be nicer to each other. I mean, nobody really teaches us that anymore. It's rare. 
I mean, you might get taught at school to be nice, learn lessons at a church or in an office, or like there's a certain standards of behaviour you you have to sort of um, abide by and things like that. But I just don't think there's that emphasis to people about being kind and, and just being friendly. I mean, when you're nice to someone or have someone be nice to you, it's always a good feeling, whether it be opening the door for someone, helping um, a lady with her shopping, getting it in the car or, you know, whatever it is. It's just a good feeling and it's so easy to do. It doesn't cost anything to be kind and, you know, I, I just feel it's a bit, it's, it's underrated. And, um, I mean, we all want to feel good and I, sound, I probably sound so bloody cheesy saying this, but helping people and being kind really gives you a good feeling. If... if um, it not only makes whoever you're kind to feel good, but it makes you feel awesome as well. And I think we just need to to remember that. Um, you know, you don't have to be an arsehole to get things done. Um, I mean, I feel people should understand as well. It, it doesn't diminish competition. You can still be like like Becky swimming against someone, competing against someone, or going up for a part against someone, or interviewing for the same job as someone. But there doesn't need to be this so, so much unpleasantness in working hard and trying to achieve something and just and just dealing with all that negative stuff. Um, we need to all try and, and do better, myself included. Um, so yeah, I, I just want to encourage everyone to, to think about their words and to uh, and to really try and uh, emphasize. Um, what it's like just to be kind um there's no better feeling and um you know we live in a world where it's it's difficult to be kind sometimes but we really need to try and overcome that i feel and um again just want to uh thank becky for her openness in that i want to congratulate her and her partner that have um got a, a, a newborn baby that's due in uh, i believe it was february or start of next year so congratulations to them both. Uh, thank you again for tuning in. Follow Becky on Twitter at Becky Allington. You can follow me on Twitter at lprested7. Follow our, pod, our podcast at Shapes of Stories. And yeah, thanks again, guys, for tuning in. And look forward to bringing you another wonderful episode soon. Bye.